Welcome to the First Church Podcast, a resource of First Church of God in Columbia City, Indiana. Our goal is to provide you with tools that you can use to help you in your new or growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast today. My name is Holly Parks. I'm the worship pastor at First Church of God, and I'm excited um, to be asked to join uh, Filling In for Jordan this week as we discuss the book of 2 Kings. And I should start by saying, um, after I really delved into this book, that 2 Kings is not the most uplifting book in the Bible. I mean, isn't that the kind of book we want to delve into right now? The world around us is in confusion and recession and so much anxiousness, and we need a story of hope. We need like a David and Goliath story or like a parting of the Red Sea or some prison walls falling down while we sing our praise songs. Um, Second Kings almost is the opposite of that. Don't get me wrong. uh, There are clearly stories of God's power over creation and over the false gods that threaten his people. Um, But over and over, we see king after king described. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of them, and you'll you'll kind of get the the feel of where we land in 2 Kings. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Hoshea, the son of Elah, began to reign in Samaria over Israel, and he reigned for nine years, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, we see Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. I'm not even halfway through the book. The list goes on and on and eventually ends up with Israel attacked from all sides. There were brutal wars. There were senseless deaths. The Hebrew people who remained were taken captive in stages and hauled off to Babylon. The temple of God, which was built in just beautiful, glorious splendor by King Solomon, is destroyed. Um, The story in 2 Kings says the gold and the bronze that was looted from the temple was so much that they couldn't even weigh it all. There were attempted revolts, but even those led to more captivity and death. I mean, this place is a mess. For years, everything sacred, everything holy was ignored and desecrated. The Israelites clumped Yahweh right in with the gods from neighboring nations like he could be competed with, and God had always fought on their behalf. But Israel forgot the covenant. Israel wanted to make deals with foreign nations and mingle their lifestyles with evil lifestyles of those nearby. Eventually, God gave them their way. Doesn't he do that so often as we kind of want to step out and we want to kind of try things our own way? And he just kind of stood back and watched decades and decades of their choices catch up with them. It is a story of mess upon mess. Second Kings describes a downward, downward spiral that ends with very little hope. The book ends with the Hebrew people being carted off as prisoners. God's chosen ones 
becoming slaves to a nation that wanted to destroy their identity, their temple, and their gods. 2 Kings 25:21 says, "So Judah was taken into exile out of its land." All hope seems to be at the very end of 2 Kings completely lost. Or is it? The last three verses of this book point to a, just a teeny glimmer of hope. In fact, you probably wouldn't even catch it at first. It, it almost seems insignificant as we finish the story. The Israelites have been taken away. We've been told that they have been carted off. They were taken into exile out of their land in the final three verses of the entire book of 2 Kings, this is what we read. When Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had been in exile for 37 years, evil Merodach became king in Babylon and let Jehoiakim out of prison. This release took place on the 27th day of the 12th month. The king treated him most courteously and gave him preferential treatment beyond anything experienced by the other political prisoners being held in Babylon. Jehoiakim took off his prison garb and for the rest of his life ate his meals in company with the king. The king provided everything he needed to live comfortably. It seems kind of irrelevant, right? It seems like, why, why does this book end this way? Um, Jehoiakim, when he was king of Judah, wasn't even a great king. Um, yet we kind of see this, this story. Um, this is kind of how God is. He, he speaks in a, in a whisper in the midst of turmoil, now, at this point, his people have been exiled for 37 years at this point. I mean, think about anyone under the age of 37, any young adult living during that time, they, they had never even lived in Israel. Babylon was the only home that they ever knew. But these three verses point to something. Remember when God promised David and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In these three verses, at the end of this book that is mess upon mess upon mess, we see once again that even though Israel broke their part of the covenant, God is still keeping his part. These three verses show us that while the people are in despair, they're in a foreign land, they're enslaved, God is continuing the line of kingship that ultimately leads to Jesus. His eternal kingdom is true and trusted even when we can't see him working behind the scenes. These three verses that seem so irrelevant after this entire story of 2 Kings showing us that king after king after king 
was walking away and leading the Israelite people into mess after mess. These three verses remind us that even when we can't see it, he's working. He's keeping his end of the covenant. He's making a way to keep his promises that his kingdom will be forever and his throne will be established forever. So friends, while we're in the midst of our own mess right now, it's so easy to look around at the world around us in this moment, even today, as many of us are quarantined and we see sickness upon sickness um, multiplying uh, so rapidly. Um, we see businesses that are that are struggling um, because of the situation that we find ourselves in. Let's remember this, that when things seem to be the darkest, God is keeping his promises. When things are dark and there seems to be no hope, he is addressing the end game. When we can't find answers or hope, he is going to work things together for good because that is what he promised. <laughs>